Got a new question for us, everybody. Do you agree with the idea of, quote, mile marker awards that you see all over the college football internet? So this is your September Heisman. This is your quarter season awards, your half season awards. Josiah, I'm going to ask this. Is it A, useful, B, fun, C, interesting to think about, or D? I mean, it's fun as long as you take them as seriously as as they're meant to be taken. Like... (laughs) I've had people on my teams that have won the September Heisman before. Don't ask how that season ended. Uh, it was not great. <laughs> on the other hand, there are times when I got I got real burned out on the notion of Brocktober as a person who is in the Big 12 with Iowa State. Um, and I still am just, man. Anyway, they're allowed to like their team, but, you know, I was just like, I don't know. So, I mean, it's fun. It, it's It's interesting. It's fun. You might as well. Like the Heisman Award is such a weird award anyway. Why not have your own little mini awards? Jeff, I know you're the guy who keeps track of stats around here. <laughs> Are these stats in any way meaningful to how a, a team season or a player season is going? I mean, you run into a lot of small sample size issues. You run into the fact that not all competitions going to be equivalent to all their competitions. So how predictive things are, eh. It's better than nothing. It's it'll all sort itself out. At the same time, though, none of this is actually important. We're all just here because it's fun and we enjoy it. So we might as well just have more fun and enjoyable things and not worry about what act- what matters in a thing that ultimately doesn't really matter. So I'm going to say we're going to do the quarter season awards, folks. We've had we've had week four in the books very quickly. I'm going to ask Josiah, who is your quarter Quarter of the season, Heisman Award winner. Mm. You know, I'm going to have to go with Mr. Michael Penix Jr. Because that man and that offense, even if it's, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe even more just that offense, but I'm going to put him as like the, the representative of that. And I know I complained about the whole Heisman being a QB award, but they are unbelievable. All right, Jeff, I'm going to ask you, same question. Who is your player of the quarter of the season? It's hard not to concur. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, Penix has is, is been incredible. Um, and, I mean, it, it pains me to say it since he is a uh, Hoosier, but, yeah, no, he's he's had a heck of a beginning of the season, and, and we'll see if that continues. I, I will add a caveat. If Travis Hunter was healthy, he would have been my pick, but because he's injured, he's been out of game. Feels like that shouldn't count. But as an Ironman athlete, if he stayed healthy, oh my gosh, you know, like real Heisman buzz to me. I agreed. I'm going to go with Jaden Daniels of Kansas. Mm. Josiah, new question. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, who is your team of the quarter of the first quarter of the 2023 season? Duke, actually, um, just because they're. Ooh. They're, I think they're still undefeated. They're, they're beating, they've beaten some good teams and they're just looking way more solid than, I mean, I thought last year where they were good, but I didn't think it would be, I thought even if they repeated it, they wouldn't build on it. But I actually, they look legitimately dangerous in a way that is kind of fun to me. So for me, it's going to be Duke just for that, that reason of like, this is, I want to see where this goes. It would be very cool to see a team like Duke football. Football, not basketball. Football, win the ACC. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Of course. Jeff, who is your team of the first quarter of the 2023 season? 
Uh, I'm going to go out and say the uh, mm. Cougs. Which ones? Pullman. Mm. Oh, okay. Because there's yeah. three of them, and Fair. two of them aren't doing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I realize I'm like, I gotta, I have to specify which set of uh, Cougars. But no, I mean, Wazoo has been mm-hmm. really impressive. Um, particularly, I mean, their offense is, is excellent. Um, their defense has also been able to do pretty well. Um, they've had a chance to beat um, a pretty decent Big Ten opponent as well. So I think they're they're having a great season. I'll say a lot of teams actually out in Pac-12 are, gonna, are really having a great season. It's going to be an Irish wake uh, going out yeah. for the Big 12 or the Pac-12 here. Yeah, we'll we'll wax poetic about, about the Pac-12 at some point in the uh, future, I'm sure. Uh, I, I hate to do this, and um, it's going to make one of our co-hosts very upset, but uh, mine currently is, is Syracuse because they're undefeated, and they continue to be undefeated even though somebody may have posted, don't disrespect the troops, <laughs> and then Syracuse went and disrespected the troops. While so, wearing camo. Syracuse is still While wearing while I wearing couldn't camo. believe that. That's amazing. <laughs> They're currently the New York State champs until further notice. Manhattan's I own team, unless they have to. That's right. Unless they have to play Buffalo, which is going to be a tough out. Uh, Josiah, coach of the quarter, first quarter. Uh, of the I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm actually gonna I'm gonna go with Dion, even though I understand that he has just got his team got completely annihilated, just because, just because. Sure. The first three games, even if it's against bad teams, they have looked so much better than I thought they would. And if if he only gets credit for hiring good coordinators, then I'll give him the first. I don't think he'll be my coach of the year by any stretch. But for the, the first four weeks, like, for yeah, the quarter, for, for the quarter, what he built, I've been genuinely impressed by what he has built or at least gotten out of the way of and allowed to happen. <laughs> OK, Jeff, same question. I was like, and, and hiring yeah. good coordinators and delegating to them where you know they do what they do better than you is like is an incredible skill. We see a lot of coaches not do that. Um, so I think he's managing uh, Dion is managing Colorado exceptionally well. They've had an incredible turnaround from where they were last year. Um, so I think he is he is definitely kind of started the season off with a pretty big bang. Um, we also, um, up in Wisconsin, you also have another first-year coach that has done a pretty Luke decent turnaround. Pickle. Yeah, not, a, not exactly turnaround, um, but bringing in a very different offensive system, making a lot of that click, um, which has been a little bit of a difficult job. We'll kind of see... Early, it's been mixed. Uh, we'll see how that goes the rest of the season. Um, but I think that could also be a, a place to look towards. Yeah, I mean, look, I think you're both right. Coach Dion, Prime Sanders. I still think even with the loss to Oregon, I still think they're mm-hmm. doing great. And the same is true with Luke Fickle. I've always loved Fickle. I think Fickle is a great coach, even when he was at Cincinnati, when he was at Ohio State that one year. Great coach and great coaches find ways to elevate their players. And in the spirit of great coaches elevating their players, I'm going to have to go at Lance Leipold at, uh, mm-hmm. at Kansas. I Kansas has just been 
I know I've, I'm double dipping here, but uh, I'm putting Kansas up there because they're a fun team to watch. Their offense is fascinating. The way they run their motions, it's just, uh, I'm going to get into it, but uh, I think that's great. And finally, Josiah, one weird, wild, or un unforeseen thing from the first quarter of the football season that you would like to just point out before we go into the show. I think it's got to be that, I mean, it's not that weird, I guess, but to me, Texas State is three and one and looks good again. And I've just been so used to them being bad, like for so long. And, sure. you know, I, I, I have a weird affinity for Texas State and have for years, and I can't tell you why. Um, so it's not that weird. But I mean, you know, on the other hand, one of the funniest moments of the weekend happened with the Texas State game where one of their band guys threw a trident at a Nevada, uh, a Nevada football player. And I mean, you know, I don't want anyone to get hurt, but if it's just like a dinky plastic trident, you know, that's kind of funny. I, I haven't looked up what kind of trident it is. Have you, I'm not going to. <laughs> have you been to San Marcos? Texas State yes, in San yeah, Marcos, no, right? I have not. And again, like, I don't know why I like them so much, oh, but okay. I've liked them a lot for a very long time. That's can't can't tell you why. But fun fact, their former head coach is now the, the Jake Spavital, now the offensive coordinator at Cal. Uh, Jeff, one weird, wild, or unforeseen thing that you've noticed the first quarter of the year. I feel like a lot of the powers we expect to be the big thing, whatever everyone stories of the season have not lived up to the level they expect themselves to be. And we've had so many other parts of the sport be what's fun, what's interesting. I mean, half the Pac-12 appears to have a very good team. That's a lot of fun to watch. Um, you have Duke looking like they may make some noise in the ACC. That's not exactly a common occurrence. Um, you have a lot of the Big Ten East that isn't Ohio State kind of playing up to a high level. And Ohio State has been a little bit playing with their food, um, other than a very old school game last night with Notre Dame. Um, and even that, one, that was a very close game. So um, it's hard to kind of we'll talk judge about either team going oh, forward. Yes, we can judge. So, one <laughs> um, although I watched the real exciting game last night, uh, which uh, Josiah watched as well. So, you know, that that maybe says something about me that that I'm going out west for my entertainment rather than uh, keeping it keeping it local to Indiana. <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. Those are great picks. I personally think uh, we will have we will have some things to talk about in that game. Uh, I watched Ohio State and, and Notre Dame. We'll get into it after the break. But uh, my weird, wild, and unbelievable thing that I've gotten to watch is the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors football team. They are two and three coming off a big win. Uh, they beat New Mexico State. I look, they're going to UNLV next week. They might be they might be three and three at the end of the next week. We'll find out. But uh, I think that the season, the first quarter of the season, has been fun. Mm -hmm. And I think as long as it remains fun, we'll come back at week six when we do the half, where we make fun of the half season awards, and we'll go from there. And I think that will be our cold open. 
And so welcome, welcome, welcome to the week four recap with Feed Your Mascot. My name is Blue, and I'm joined with the other two hosts of our show. We've got Jeff, who is wearing the away kit this week. Jeff, what is going on over there in Arsenal? Or what do you want to share, I guess would be the question. Uh, in a eventful North London derby, uh, we drew Spurs at home in a game that had an own goal from Tottenham, which was then followed by a quick sun equalizer and then a penalty goal mm. for Arsenal that was followed by another sun very quick equalizer. Um, so it was certainly a game. Um, I'll say both, both sides actually were playing pretty decently while it was kind of frustrating to watch moments where there was some lackluster creation of chances from the Arsenal side. But uh, yeah, that was my my morning. <laughs> so woke up uh, to a bit of excitement and frustration. I understand, and I hope Arsenal continues to have success or find success as they go forward. Uh, if you don't mind just giving me a tight 30, what is a draw? What is a spur? What is a derby? <laughs> draw is a tie, which is a thing that is allowed to happen in Premier League. So, you know, you go your 90 minutes. If it's even, it's even. You move on to next week. You don't play any sort of overtime where you're going to risk injury and everything. Um Spurs are Tottenham Hotspur. They are the rival of Arsenal about five miles away in the same part of London. A derby is the British term for a rivalry. Ah, okay. Thank you. That's That helps me out a great deal as someone who is trying to learn more about uh, soccer. Josiah, lawn update, if mm-hmm. you don't mind. And uh, what have you got, got on this, what have you got got on this my, week? Got my bulldogs. Uh, things are not... Going as well as I'd like to. Most of all, I'd like Spencer Rattler to just leave me alone. Um, the lawn is doing good. Leaf season is fully underway. The grass is no longer growing, baby. I may have to mow it one more time just to like start it at a good spot. But we're I'm gonna I, I'm I'm putting off raking and gathering leaves as long as I can because I don't I'm I'm a little bit lazy and um would like to wait on that. But yeah, I got, you know, like I said on on socials, make sure you get your rakes checked out by your local rake technician before the season gets up underway and, uh, you know, make sure everything's running at a, that, you know, everything's firing on all cylinders. I took your advice and went and got an electric powered rake this year. Uh, <laughs> I know you've been talking for months about this and uh, my local rake technician said, I'm good to go. So I'm going to be going to change your bunch life. Cause I have a lot of trees. <laughs> I know I live in a forest. I literally live in a forest. Uh, fun fact, Virginia is number nine or 11 for forest cover for states with 70% of it covered in forest. So we did it, guys. Uh, so this week, we're going to talk about some football uh, uh, or foosball, as the movie likes to tell us. And we've got some games, and I would say we had some bangers. We're going to talk about BYU at Kansas, a game that I watched intently and loved every second. We're going to watch the Pac-12 championship game this year, Oregon State at Wazoo. And I had a blast watching it. And Josiah, that was his game of the week. Uh, Then we're going to talk about Wisconsin at Purdue. Uh, We will give Jeff as much time as he wants to commiserate uh, on that. And then we're going to talk about Oklahoma at Cincinnati. I watched this game, and I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, We'll get into it. And then we'll talk about some dessert, which is college football postseason is coming. And then uh, we'll figure out. 
which six teams are entering and which team is going to leave. I'm going to kick things off this week if everybody doesn't mind. We're going to talk about Brigham Young University at Kansas, uh, the University of Kansas, uh, which is in Lawrenceville. They played a game, and this is the first time that BYU is playing a conference rival in the Big 12. And Kansas said, <laughs> welcome to the Big 12. And I enjoyed this game immensely. Kansas looks, they look fun. Their defense is flying around out there. Kobe Bryant, the cornerback, forced a fumble, then returned that fumble for a touchdown later in the same game, had an interception that ended a promising BYU drive. And then the Kansas offense did the rest. Uh, Jaden Daniels is him. And he was hitting all his passes. When they needed a, a first down, he went and got it. And then when they said, we've got orbit motion, they put guys in space and gave them the ball. I I loved every second of it. I love that Kansas now wears, they wear the all blues, the all reds, and the red and blues. And this week they wore the all reds and they look great. And they they, they look great winning it, going away. I, I'm curious, Josiah, you've seen a lot of Kansas over the years. And I believe have them coming to Oklahoma State this year. I'll do that later. We'll double check it. What do you think of Kansas? How do they look? And uh, where do you have them going this season? You know, I, I uh, man, I am terrified of a competent Kansas because they were so bad for so long. It was nice to have something you could depend on a little bit. And this is just, this is kind of, it's not a nightmare scenario, but I'm not like super excited <laughs> about it because, you know, like, yeah. You get used to certain things, and and yeah, they they are coming to uh, they're coming to Stillwater, which is going to be fun. Um, man, I don't know. Uh, you know, the Kansas is so functional right now in a way that I just have not seen. I kind of they're kind of like Duke to me in that I I don't really know where the season's going to end for them, but they have impressed me so much. And and like I assumed Leipold could get them functional, like six and six, seven and five, and they may still finish there. But man, they are looking. Like, at least they're looking like a middle-of-the-pack team, which is way better than I would have ever expected. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Jeff, uh, did you get a chance to check any of this out? I did not. Okay. Uh, But, yeah, Leipold's impressed me. And, I mean, I think they've... Last year as well, they had a pretty hot start. They weren't able to exactly close that out down the line of the season. But even... Two undefeated starts two years in a row at Kansas is something that doesn't happen very often. This place that struggled. So I think it, even if you're able to get to a consistent, you know, six mm-hmm. win is the floor or even five win is the floor area for, for Kansas, that's doing yeah. pretty well. I can tell you exactly how long it's been since the last time Kansas went 4-0 to start a season two years in a row. And the last time they did it was 1913 to 1915. <laughs> so this is this is an amazing team that I am just in love with. And I will tell you this. Next week, September 30th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 p.m. Central. The University of Kansas is going to the University of Texas at Austin oh. Longhorns and will be playing at Darrell K. Royale Texas <laughs> Memorial Stadium. I have said this. I have this game circled on my calendar. It may not be my game to watch, but I will be watching this. Texas is constructed in a way to beat themselves. They're they're built to beat teams like them. And when a team that comes in, spreads the ball, puts players in space, is running around, making you play sideline to sideline, 
I have hope that Kansas will push Texas. They're go- Texas is going to have to play a full four quarters to beat this game, and I'm I'm going to watch it. And I'm I'm in I'm in Kansas's corner. Yeah, can Kansas. Go ahead, no, I was going to say Kansas you- versus Texas used to be a bit, and now it's kind of a real thing. Like, like because you know they kept they kept beating Texas and getting Texas coaches fired. So. Like it's yeah, this is it's weird to look at that and be like, that's a pretty big, that's a that's an interesting matchup, but it, it like genuinely is, and not even not even doing the usual jokes. Well, I can't to find somebody to play that they don't play Mizzou. <laughs> so, well, Texas is just as good as, as Mizzou. Man, somebody's going to be upset about that. Ooh. Not sure who. <laughs> this is a ranked match, and I'm excited for it. Uh, just some small things. Jaden, Jalen Daniels. I, I'm telling you, everyone needs to at least watch this guy. He is much watched TV. All of the offensive line. The, these are upperclassmen. They're out there making moves. It's this is a well-run offense, and Lance Leipold is a great coach. I'm really excited about it. I'm gonna now move on to our next game, the the Pac-10. Excuse me, the Pac-12 championship game featuring the Oregon State Beavers and the Washington State Cougars. They're the only ones that actually have any voting power in the Pac-12. I watched the game. Uh, we'll get into it. But uh, I'm going to turn it over to Josiah. This was his game to watch. I was his backup on this. Josiah, tell me about it. What would you see? What would you think? And then we'll have Jeff jump in and tell us what he saw. Yeah, I mean, congrats to the Pac-12 champs. Wazoo. They they did it. They won. They beat every everybody in the Pac-12. It's an undefeated season. I, I couldn't. You just don't see that very much, especially a team like Wazoo. So good, good job to them. And uh Look forward to what they do in the postseason. No, I mean, but but you know, Oregon State's a good team. They've been good. They're good at what they do. DJ is up and down a little bit still, but you know, he doesn't have to do too much in that system for it to work. But man, Wazoo might actually be good. Good, like they might actually be a, like a team where you. I don't know that I think they'll be the Pac-12 champs, but if you told me now that they will, I'd, I'd like it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It would not shock me the way it would have like four weeks ago. Um, they're just doing business the way Wazoo has been doing business since Leach got there. They've they're now in, they're an air raid school and but they don't run it as rigidly as he did, which is always a good thing because he's just a little too closed systemed with it. And man, they they like four hundred yards passing on the same number of attempts as Oregon State did, but doubled the yards that they threw for and it, it, yeah, just, it's incredible to watch. Um, and their, you know, defense, it, it didn't, it worked really well until the, you know, Beavs made a late run, but even then, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to watch these teams succeed and someone was going to have to win that game. So, but yeah, Wazoo now has beaten. Yeah. They've beaten Oregon state. That is genuinely a good team. They've beaten Wisconsin. They, I mean, they're, they, I, I I would love to see this team finish like eleven and one, ten and two. That would be very cool. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, honestly, they they really executed well on deep throws, which I think is is really where they had were able to have a lot of success in this game. Um, and yeah, I mean, just Oregon State couldn't keep up. Um, it was it was a great mm-hmm. game to watch. I mean, for as much as there was some discussion earlier in the day of, you know, where these two teams are. I mean, they put together an incredible watch football game. Um, and both schools as well, mm-hmm. and the fans of both schools were very much celebrating them being the two that are 
Yeah. In the situation they are with the Pac-12 falling apart, that they're now basically what's left of the conference. And they are two exciting, awesome schools um, in great places where they are with football, as well as they're just fun and unique parts of college football. And them having this time to celebrate themselves, they're in a, a primetime Eastern time slot, which is good because I would not have been able to stay up yeah 2 a.m. again uh like last week's uh back 12 game but yeah it was it was a great mm-hmm. opportunity and you know i think that's what a lot of this word about is about is, is having places show off what makes them great absolutely i, I said this before and I, i'm going to keep saying it. i wanted to see these two teams show love to each other. I wanted to see these two teams, you know, really rally around themselves, the two of them. For one, they have been playing each other since 1894, mm-hmm. and this was the 108th meeting of these two schools. So when they say rivalry is everywhere, these two are rivals. They played like it. They The first play of the game, the QB from Wazoo, Cameron Ward, those was a 70-yard strike for a touchdown. And okay. it, they didn't stop punching from there. He looked amazing. But this guy didn't come out of nowhere. I want to be clear about Cameron Ward. First and foremost, he won the Jerry Rice Award in 2020. Excuse me, 2021. So in the 2021 season, I'm going to read you his statistics. 4,648 yards, 47 touchdowns. He was out here slinging the ball at Incarnate Word and then transferred and said, I can can do this at the next level. And he's proved that he can. I'm really impressed by what with the OC that moved at the same time. That's correct. That's right. Which which is continuity in in the system, which is I think something we've seen in a lot of places um, in the current era, where a coordinator will move with the head coach. That is, uh, and 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 or not the head coach, or the the quarterback. So the the offensive coordinator, that man's name is Eric Morris, and I know that because (laughs) he was playing football. When I was an undergrad, we were at an undergrad at the exact same time, and he was playing for a small school, you might have heard of them, called Texas Tech University. If you've never heard of him, also fine. He also played for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Mm -hmm. So this guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to running an air raid offense. But I I just, I really want to stump for this because this Wazoo team is for real. They're playing defense. They are playing offense, they are doing special teams, and they got a big-time QB. And I'm excited for the Apple Cup. And just so you know, they also have to play Oregon before they leave the conference. So Wazoo is going to be out to really ruin somebody's season. And like you said, yeah. if they go 11-1, and one, Yeah, I mean, the one, to put right? things in so, comparative perspective, which is always dangerous, but Colorado State, you know... Colorado narrowly beat them and Washington state to open the season beat them 50 to 24. They doubled up Colorado state. So like, you know, as much as I am impressed by Colorado, you know, a a team that can light up and has not, has not yet scored less than 31 points. They're averaging a lot more than that, but they've scored the minimum has been 31 against a big 10 defense. Like I'm, I'm excited. I'm, 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 I mean, I'm a Beavs fan first, but, now that that game's over, I can cheer for both teams pretty pretty evenly. And, man, it's it's going to be fun to watch. And, yeah, like you said, I loved even just the school accounts tweeting out graphics that showed, like, 
continuity between these two. You had fans with pack two signs. You know, people were 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 not enjoying the circumstances, yeah. but they were they were supporting each other. And that's even even if it's something like sports, which is probably not life or death, but it still matters. And it's I'm glad to see that they're doing that. Yeah, doing a little bit of schedule game. Uh, <laughs> Wazoo the schedule game. goes to Oregon and to Washington for the Apple Cup ending the season. So they've got a little bit of bad luck on that end, in which those are the the two toughest games they're going to face other than Oregon State. Um, so that's... I think a, a little bit strike against them, but I mean, I think they're capable of beating either of the teams. It's just a how to how does everything bounce out with our weird oblong shaped ball as yeah. well as yeah. Otson is a tough environment to go to. Washington, it's a rivalry game, and so and they also are absolutely no slouch and have an explosive offense as well. So uh, I think those are going to be some fun games um, that are if you're out in the West Coast. Watch them if you're on the East Coast. Uh, find a great coffee shop to help you uh, stay up for them, but worth it if they're in the late bit. <laughs> Playing the schedule game a little further. Their next game, they are off next week. This is being Boazoo. They have a bye. October 7th, they're going to Pasadena. They're going to be playing UCLA and the Bruins. Then Arizona is traveling to Pullman. The aforementioned at Oregon is after that. Then they're going to Tempe who they looked not bad last night. Mm-hmm. Not great, but they didn't mm-hmm. look bad. They looked bad last week. They didn't look bad this week. Then they've got Stanford coming to Pullman. Then they're going to Cal. And then I want to circle this one. Oh, November yeah. 17, Colorado is coming to Pullman. And <sighs> I don't know what to expect in this game after seeing Colorado play their first Pac-10 game. to be Pac-12 game. I, if Wazoo, if Wazoo gives Oregon everything they can handle for four quarters, they're oh going gosh. to give Colorado everything they can handle for four we'll quarters. See. So, oh, and then like, then we'll see at the end of the season, they're going across the state to Seattle and they're going to play in the Apple cup. And I hope I love attract me. Everyone knows I want to, I want to see people running up and down the field and I can't wait to see it here. But again, I, I really want to stump for two fan bases that, with all the chaos going around them, they hugged each other and said, let's play the best game we can. They did. The fans loved each other. And I'm excited for Wazoo. And if nobody in the Wazoo department hears or sees this, we still love you. And we're going to tweet about it. So hopefully we'll just tweet at Wazoo and see if they bite back. But great job, Cougars. Great way to go, Cougs. Uh, we're going to move on. Uh, Jeff, I'm... Jeff, you don't have to keep... You don't have to keep picking to these ask. games. You Do don't you have to, to keep... like. I'm not picking my team every game. You don't have to keep doing this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he went. He was there. I, I try not to unless I go to it. And if he I go to it, there. I'm like, well, I'm in it. I'll talk about it. Um, also, so I had you, a mid-afternoon commitment on Saturday. That uh, Of course. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. the Friday game works for me to talk about and go deep into. So you went to East Laf- or West Lafayette and you were in this in Ross Aid. Yep. Feel free to talk about it. What would you see? What would you hear? And uh, tell me about the Wisconsin Badgers. 
So things seem to be clicking for Phil Longo and Luke Fickle, bringing in a very different offense um, to what Wisconsin sure. had historically run. Um, aesthetically, it was nothing like what Wisconsin-Purdue has typically been, which is, you know, very much a, we're just going to run it down your throats and, <laughs> oh, you have no esophagus anymore, um, which is... In person, at both Ross Aid and Camp Randall, I experienced it while in school. Um, and scoreline, it had a little bit of that college nostalgia of Wisconsin just destroying Purdue um, during during the first half. Um, this will this may be seventeenth in a row Wisconsin win uh, against the Boilers, but aesthetically, it was very different. Um, there was a lot more use of speed on the outside, both in the passing game and uh, rushing it as well. Um, and one thing Purdue really could not do is stop the option um, that was Wisconsin was running. That was something that was very effective um, for Wisconsin. So things, things seem to be clicking for the Wisconsin offense. Um, they were EPA per play, uh, 73rd percentile, success rate, uh, 46th percentile. Um, and that was, they were eighth percentile rushing, but again, it was very much a different style of rushing than Wisconsin has done. Um, and their third down success rate was in the 85th percentile at 57%. Purdue continues to not have a particularly competent secondary and that absolutely hurt us on, um, third down. So it was a rough game to be at. Um, Purdue did make some play calling adjustments to start the second half, um, relying a little bit more on quicker passes that made up fact the O-line also was not doing particularly well. It was not enough that they're, um, to entirely come back, but they at least made it somewhat more of a game. Um, but yeah, night games at Ross-Aid are something that didn't happen for a very long time because the athletic director was an old curmudgeon. He's now has been retired for quite a while. Um, so it's it's starting to get more of an interesting environment. And the campus itself changes over time, which is one thing that I, I definitely find kind of interesting talking with other fans of how much football games you're coming back, you're seeing, okay, these are the changes that have happened over time. And it, and it kind of keeps you in the loop of what's happening at, at this institution you care about. Uh, we also had some fun business consolidation notes that apparently the on-campus hotel that uh, has for a very long time been managed by students will continue to be do doing so. We have a great hospitality school, um, but it's now owned by Marriott, which is an interesting Let me stop business you for a consolidation. Note. Let me stop you because there's another school that wears black and gold that says they have a great hospitality department. And I'm wondering, you two schools have been arguing about, about space. Oh, have you thought oh, about we can throw arguing about my school in the mix of this too? We've got a hotel school. attached to the union that's with for our hospitality okay. program too. So let's, yeah, <laughs> space and cowboys. Yeah, that's fine. I'm fine with that. Did you all want to battle that out or? Yeah. Or the movie Space Cowboys. Anyways, carry on, uh, Jeff. Yeah, uh, which is very much feels in a moment where the the sport is being eaten alive by uh, consolidation of businesses. Interesting that some of the other components on campus have that uh, as well, because for a while, I remember that being an independent hotel. It's kind of very weird. They were advertising that it's now part of uh, 
Marriott, um, which is a bit bizarre, but yeah. Um, I, I would love if we played UCF and we could battle about who's <laughs> who owns space, who owns hotels, who owns space hotels. Uh, the answer is that uh, Alabama Agricultural <laughs> Mechanical <laughs> University okay. owns space because it's, I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. The, I mean, but we, whatever we can argue about it. <laughs> we could argue about it if we want. No, I, I do want to I, I, I want to really stop here for a second because. 57% on third down means it's really hard for your defense. If your defense is yeah. allowing a, a majority of third downs to become first downs, you're not getting off the field and you're not getting your offense to ball back. And I'm not sure what the feeling is for Purdue right now. So I, I don't know them to be a, an ornery fan base. I know them to be, hey, you know, we're eventually going to make it work. We're a once every four years, take our shot fan base. I think that's my understanding of Purdue. Jeff, please feel free to correct me. But yeah. Go ahead. Honestly, right now, there is patience and understanding, particularly losing a very successful head coach and also having a lot of our offensive uh, weapons graduate um, in terms of receiver core. There is understanding. I, mean, I think the the real difficult change that I think people are are a little bit frustrated with is where the secondary is, particularly when you're bringing in a defensive coach, you expect um, the defense to improve and it hasn't. And a lot of that as well is that is players graduating um, and, and the secondary has not been an area of strength. Um, and it's kind of hard to scheme into that. The, the defensive line has not been great at pass rushing either. So you're kind of in a very difficult position where even though run stopping has been all right if you're not stopping the pass, even if you put them in pa obvious pass situations, um, your, your opponents will be able to gash you. And particularly in the last few games, we've really struggled containing um, the option and option quarterbacks. Um, and that was something that Wisconsin was doing pretty well for a decent portion of this game and, and that really hurt us against Syracuse. So I think there's a little bit of understanding of this is maybe going to be a rough year, but I think there is patience just knowing some previous times of where we were impatient. We ended up uh, going through the Daryl Hazel era, which was painful and probably more frustrating there because the first season there was understanding that we're going through a little bit of a rebuild and then that never felt like there was forward momentum and, and that bred apathy. So it'll be something to see down, down the line of how things develop of how much the fan base is willing to be patient. I think you won't start getting too much unless next year is another rough process. Um, no, absolutely. I, I've I've wondered this for a long time. Ross Aid was one of the stadiums that was a day stadium for a long time, and then they added lights. Recent recent history of, of Purdue, but one of the things that always shocked me was I read a paper, and I've been trying to refine it. I haven't been able to find it since then. But the lights at Ross Aid were designed in house so that when you watch the slow motion replay, <laughs> they don't flicker. So for Josiah, because he always wants me to do the physics minute, whenever you have whenever you have an electrical source of any kind, if it's not a direct current, 
If it's an alternating current, there's a frequency associated with that current. Same is true inside a light bulb. So your light bulb is not constantly on. It's actually blinking really, really fast. And your eyes can't quite measure that. Um, there is no refresh rate on your eyes, but there is a point where you just can't quite tell the difference between always on and always off. And so they developed a light bulb, a specific light bulb at Purdue that does not flicker under high speed camera footage. I've been trying to find, I've asked multiple Purdue people about, I've asked a Purdue doctorate from the electrical engineering department, like, have you heard about this? And he says, yeah, but it was like a secret. So no one knows what's going on over there. Um, (laughs) Well, they didn't want to get scooped, I guess. Like they were like, we didn't want anyone to know. And I'm like, oh, so I've been asking everyone. And so now I'm asking my Purdue friend, can you help me figure out who developed and wrote this paper so that I can read it again? Uh, because it's a, it's if you watch Purdue replays, the lights don't flicker. And it's just a really cool thing that they have, I guess. And it's an electrical engineering marvel. Um, so I just want to talk yeah. good about Purdue. I'll say the stadium has a number of unique features. The other thing that is new this year, they redid the south end zone. They now moves the, the student section down there. Um, and they've modeled that section on uh, what a lot of soccer support sections are, where they're designed for standing rather than just being your normal um, bleacher seats that people will just stand up on anyways. Instead, they're, they've got kind of rails you you lean on and lean against, and those are a little bit more, more comfortable for uh, standing, which I find kind of a unique feature. One, being kind of plugged into to that stadium architecture design, and, and B, that being, it did feel kind of always <laughs> as a student when you're standing on bleachers, because that's what students do, because we are dumb and 18 to 22 year olds um, who have been potentially enjoying ourselves before the game um, that it would be a heck of a lot safer to bring in that architectural feature. So uh, it's a really neat design from that aspect. They also designed mm-hmm. design that part of the stadium to look like a cow catcher, which is very fun. I'm sure the ice cream at Purdue is just as good at all the Big 12s, Big 10 schools, excuse me, that brag about how good their ice cream is. So yeah, we special ice cream now. It's awesome. I, I'm, I'm sure it's great. Uh, <laughs> so I want to go on to the game we all watched, and that's OU at Cincy. First Big 12 game for the Cincinnati Bearcats in Nippert against the Oklahoma Sooners. Josiah, this is your biggest rival, and they went to Ohio for the first time to play Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Tell me, what did yeah, you get I mean, out of it, this game? I thought it'd be a little me, more interesting than it was. Um, OU is definitely a lot better than they were last year. They're much more competent. And, you know, I, I'm i still not sure if Venables will make it work in the long term, but he's definitely made progress uh, from last year in how this team is functioning and playing. And C- Cincinnati's obviously just a bit worse. You know, they're not. They're not the Cincinnati that made the playoff anymore, of course. Um, and, you know, they can't really build the entire ship out of Emory Jones, but they might try to do it anyway. And it'll be kind of tough because he had some he had some rough moments there um, during that game. And it's yeah. It, but yeah, I mean, OU is decent at defense this year, it seems. Um, their offense is not it's not bad, but I think like defense used to be sort of a thing that was not very it was very, it was functional. It was there, but it was pretty porous in a lot of ways with Alex Grinch and his whole 
thing, whatever that is, <laughs> under Lincoln and stuff, you know, it was it was bad. And so seeing them just much more competent in that area is a little weird, honestly. And we're definitely going to lose Bedlam this year. Um, so that's fun. But uh, yeah, but yeah, it was it was a, it was score closer. But it, man, it didn't ever really feel like OU was out of control of this game. Yeah, um, so I watched it, and I am not as surprised when I see a good Oklahoma defense. I, I think the couple of years under Lincoln Riley and everyone's like, oh, the defense is bad, but they're going to score up. Like, yeah, fine, whatever. But, like, Bob Stoops was a defensive guy and always had a competent defense. And I watched a lot of Bob Stoops because he was, I'll say it, probably mm-hmm. one of the best coaches in the sport at the time he was a coach. He won four BCS Bowls. Not a lot of coaches did that, but he also beat Nick Saban. A lot of people didn't do that either. We don't talk. Oh, about he it talked enough, about it a lot. But he did it. Happened. I watched him do it. <laughs> <laughs> sure did. Uh, he really <laughs> let people know about it. Then to close out that game, they did an onside kick when they were up two scores. Like, yep, he's a real nasty character. This Bob Stoops guy. Not important. He's now. Uh, he has a glass office apparently on campus. Doesn't matter. He's no longer the head coach. But. I watched the game, and I'm not seeing all the skill players that Oklahoma has said that they've brought into the program be used, explicitly used. They've been like, yeah, we'll keep a drive going, but they're not. They scored 20 points in this game, right? So I didn't see the offense break out. The QB, he looks better than last year, but he's supposed to be all world, right? He was supposed to be a five-star recruit, and I have not seen him break out and control a game. And so I'm concerned about how many points Oklahoma is going to score against a team like Texas or a team like Kansas state. And like, if they score 20 against Texas, they probably lose that game in a blowout. And so I, I really need to understand better here. Like what is the game plan offensively for Oklahoma? Because I've yet to see it against their level of competition. Yes, they blew out. I think they played one small team and they blew them completely out. Great, that's fine. But like in multiple games against like competition, they've only scored 20 points or less. Uh, Go ahead, Jeff. No, I mean, I think my observations are are kind of the same as yours. And I mean, they were, they absolutely, I mean, Sansi was, yeah, just, held to doing nothing and you know he was able to just kind of do enough and obviously mm-hmm. nippert was mm-hmm. up for the game they were excited for their first big 12 home game and but yeah it was not not great i think one one interesting thing is at least statistically ou was successful um in terms of passing the ball um eight, almost 8.3 yards per drop back that's pretty successful 0.2 for EPA for a drop. I mean, that's 71st percentile. So they were, they were all right. But yeah, you, you expect with the talent they have mm-hmm. to be better. I mean, particularly against, I can hold. <laughs> yeah. Apologies. I didn't mean to jump over you there, but like uh, particularly against mm-hmm. this Cincinnati team, this is not the team that went to the playoff a couple years ago. 
they're under a first year head coach. They haven't shown a lot of life and they lost to Ohio last week. Or excuse me, Miami of Ohio. I'm I have concerns. Like they should have won this game a little more comfortably than than twenty to six. Well, and with the offensive coordinator that they've got, Go ahead, who's that. supposed to be supposed to be the the you know I mean he's a moral compromise to hire him. He's supposed to be sort of this high flying. You know, he was I think running backs coach under Art Bryles, who happens to also be his father in law. Um, and uh, you know. And Art Bryles was on the sidelines at one game wearing OU gear. I mean, that was a whole debacle. I, I, you know, and I, but I've heard, you know, he's just a lot of OU fans that I, I follow are like, man, they've seen Lincoln Riley. And as, as complicated as they feel about him, they know that that man can at least build an offense and that there have been good offenses outside of his tenure also under Stoops. And then you watch Jeff Levy run this what is happening here offense with better with players that are good enough to get more points, more yards, and they're just not doing it. And it's like, why did we hire this guy? Like you shouldn't have hired him to begin with. And he's also bad doing not. Yeah. You, you, you should you never sure have hired have. him. I don't know how he and, and Kendall dodged all the crap that art has rightfully caught, but like, yeah, like I don't know what's the upside in keeping him. I'd say zero at this stage. Like you can go find someone else that can create a crappy offense for you. Anyway, I mean, hire me. I'll do that. I'll do that, and I won't even be a sleeper agent. If you say like <laughs> we'll pay you this much money, we'll pay you half of whatever we pay this guy. Build us a good, build us a, a terrible offense. I could do that for a lot less money, man. Like I can, I can absolutely under underutilize your talent. Oh, you could probably hire me to, to be your terrible offensive yeah. partner and yeah. accidentally they've got succeed. An, yeah, like, they've got good enough players. They should at know. least be able to run a vanilla on Cincy and score more than 20 points. At least you would think so. Yeah, I look, I mean, he shouldn't be. Yes, he should be a pariah. And Brent Venables, who... He really talks a lot about loyalty and he talks a lot mm-hmm. about wanting to mm-hmm. look out for his guys. There is a lot of overlap between a couple of trees that involve mm-hmm. the people that we're talking about. You know, Brent was at Clemson for a long time, but before he was at Clemson, Brent was also at Oklahoma with the late uh, 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 the Pirates. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now his name is uh, the late Mike Leach. Uh, you know, so all of these guys were together. All of these guys played against each other, coached against each other, know each other very well, travel in the same circles. And then he, you know, Art Bryle shows up. We didn't talk about it. Art Bryle showed up in Oklahoma gear, and nobody, nobody yeah. knew. Yeah, seems bad. I don't know. And I'll oh, be, you know, just, yeah, it just, oh, go ahead, Josiah. It, again, it's those sorts of things that make me wonder if Brent Venables is going to be the long-term guy. I mean, OU is not going to turn into a terrible program, at least not overnight. Like that kind of thing can happen to Absolutely Blue Bloods, not. but like, you know, they, they, they are so many people that would line up for this job if you get rid of Venables. And, but these little gaffes, these weird, stupid things that one hiring the guy and then two, Somehow there wasn't damage control keeping Bryles away from the field. Like these are things that do not signal that everything is as 
well oiled as it should be at a place like this. Yeah, I, I, look, Castiglione mm-hmm. is one of the best ADs in the sport, uh, in sports, in college athletics. And I do believe when mm-hmm. he says, I didn't know, because Castiglione has overseen so many championships, so many, you know, not just football, you know, they, he's been there a long time and he's overseen a lot of things. I assume he says to Brent, this is your show, mm-hmm. run your show. But Brent not knowing that what is ostensibly a person who should never be around a college football program for any reason at any time is standing on the sideline wearing Oklahoma gear because his son-in-law is on staff. It's like, I don't know, man, that's a bad look. And, and that's outside of scoring 20. It's like, you're doing a bad it's and like, you only scored 20. I mean, it's 20. DJ Durkin, you know? Bad at his job and a bad person. I, why do you have a job? I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah. He, ha- he has a job because <laughs> his, right. his best friend hired him. That's why. <laughs> that's why. That That's a... I don't know how close Brent Venables and the <laughs> offensive coordinator of Oklahoma at the Sooners is, but I know DJ Durkin and, 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 mm-hmm. and Jimbo go way back. And that's why he hired his friend. Yep. I'm still upset about that, but I'm not going to get into it because that makes me look like <laughs> I will use a lot of swear words. So we're going to talk yeah. about Jackson State had one of the women's yeah. soccer team out there. Please, Josiah, tell me about this and tell me well, why yeah, she I was mean, being it wasn't. I don't know if it was underutilization as much as they just didn't end up needing her to kick a lot of field goals. Um, they had to swap in a women's soccer player at kicker due to a lot of injuries. And, you know, but again, it's it's a trend we've seen where teams are like, you know what? We need someone with a big leg. We have a women's soccer team. They have big, they've got it, you know, they can kick it pretty far. That's what we need someone to be able to do. So they they bring her in. And uh, according to JSU's official account, as far as we know, this is the first women's player, women play, woman player at a D1 HBCU level. Um, and the first correct woman to play football at JSU for sure. Um, so, I mean, it's a big, it's a big event. I don't know, you know, how that'll look going forward. I'm sure it'll be similar to what Vanderbilt did where she's there until, cause she's multi-sport, you know, that's just a lot to ask of somebody. Um, soccer is still, yeah. Particularly in season, um, which is, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's tough. A, yeah. It's a, it's a fall sport and, and yes, you, you know. I don't know what her primary position is um, on on the women's soccer team. I know you've seen goaltenders do this because they very specifically practice um, long long kicks in a way that is not dissimilar from a place kick. Um, but it's still a a new thing to get used to doing, and goaltender is also a position that you need to keep practicing at. Um, on the soccer side, as well as the communication with other players, so it's it is would mm-hmm. certainly be a balance to try and be multi-sport in the same season. Um, with with NCAA soccer, it's yeah, like it's, sport. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, say, it's very cool. Oh, like ahead, it, you know, it's just it's just it makes sense, and that's the thing that's funny about it is like you know, no one's giving her special privileges. They just went and looked for someone who had a big leg on campus. Here's a sport where you need a big leg, or at least some of them do. And you go grab one of those athletes and you use them. And then you you let them go back to their regular sport <laughs> once your guys get healthy. Because that, like you said, it's a lot to ask someone mid-season. And so, yeah, it's just, 
you know, this is the kind of stuff where it's like, this is cool. And, and, and it, and it, and it, and they won, they beat Bethune Cookman, you know, it, it wasn't like a huge blowout or anything, but they took care of business and you know, that's what you ask for. Know that Bethune Cookman is still searching for their first win in the conference. They have one win against Savannah state, which is a D2 school, uh, formerly of the MIAC. I miss you dearly, mm -hmm. Savannah state. Please come back. I saw that you also had another note here yep, about yep, both dogs in the pokes. <laughs> Would you mind tell me? About yeah, yeah, and, and really just, quickly. You know, you I'm going to talk about my teams. Welcome to it. Um, but the, the takeaways from this weekend is that the offenses look better. They let Rogers on from Mississippi State rip it a little bit more, throw it a little more, and as a result, Tulu Griffin set the single the school record for single game receiving yards at 256. So you know. That, yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot of yards for one receiver. Um, but you know he's amazing, and yeah, throw it to him early and often. I think that was only on like seven receptions or something. He's just it's. I th yeah. Wait, I, what? Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Like it's he that, that we're not talking like that, this. Yeah, this is boy. not like a an air raid thing where you know you're throwing the ball twenty times to somebody and they just end up matriculating that amount. He got yeah seven receptions and it was two hundred fifty six here. 256 from For 256. So, you know, yeah, he's, he's very good. And Will Rogers can spin it a little bit. And I, as much as I love us running the ball a lot, Player of the week. it makes sense to also let him throw the ball a lot if it's working. And, you know, they didn't win, but it looked more promising. Pokes offense, they finally picked a single quarterback and he didn't always look great, but, you know, they, they looked more coherent on offense. And that's just kind of what you want. But <laughs> both teams might not make a bowl this year which sucks. And we'll all just, none of our teams will well, go bowling this year. This will, this will be, they'll be great. Um, but yeah, it's again, it's sort of like finding your joy. It's like, okay, we have, we've got a receiver, man. We've got a receiver. We might not win a lot of games, but we got this guy over here and he's, he's good. And OSU, it's like, okay, we found a running back now. Like we got a running back. Okay. I can watch that guy. And so, you know, even if our team, <laughs> my teams aren't winning, it's, it's fun to see individual athletes and be like, this person's talented and I like watching them play. So that's going to be one of the things that I enjoy about my teams, even if they overall aren't doing what I hope for. Excellent stuff. Vibe check yes. on the Norfolk State University Spartans. They beat Townsend. Woo! Norfolk State is now 2-0 in the CAA, even though they are in the MEAC. <laughs> they will have a chance to go undefeated in the CAA next week when they play the North Carolina, North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University Aggies as they come to Dick Price Stadium in Beautiful Norfolk, Virginia, down by Virginia's Golden Shore. So I am excited for that. Hopefully, say Towson's uh, normally a yeah. pretty good normally FCS program. So that I mean, that's a yeah. pretty great start to the season for Norfolk State. Uh, particularly two and two. how funky uh, the first game's gone. There's it's a pretty decent turnaround. Um, yeah, they're two going and two conference play. I'm excited about it, uh, and we're Norfolk State's looking good. So I'm excited. Vibes are good. Howard did not play this week, so. I'm feeling pretty Dang. good. They didn't lose either. So we're going to go on to the dessert. Josiah, am, walk me through what I'm are we talking about here. How does this work? talk about Canadian football go again. Ahead. And the reason I'm doing that is we are getting close to the playoffs. And the thing that's the most interesting to me about this is there are nine teams in this, but it will have six teams in the playoff with the top two getting a bye. Um, and I just, I'm always kind of fascinated by this is a league that has had its ups and downs and it has had teams come and go a bit, although there are some that have been around for a very long time. 
But the Grey Cup's older than the Super Bowl. It's 110 years this year of the Grey Cup. And yeah, we got we got we got six teams last year. The Toronto Argonauts have have only lost one game this year. They're kind of in the driver's seat. But my Blue Bombers are in there too. They're 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 holding it on, holding on, holding it all together. Um, but yeah, it's 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 an interesting. I guess maybe more as an as a as a thought game. How do you <laughs> when there's only nine teams in the whole league? You know making a meaningful playoff is is difficult because it you want it to feel special that you won this thing like when you win the nba championship there's a couple dozen nba teams so it feels like okay we beat somebody when you've been super bowl same thing college football theoretically it's 130 something teams even though realistically it's not actually that many um so what's interesting maybe more as a thought experiment is the cfl nine teams but they man they care about the great cup i mean at least the people within that sphere i know it's probably more of a hockey country but um but still like it's it's yeah it's just interesting to see like how do you build investment from fans when the number of teams is relatively small yeah i mean i think some of it's not just how do you build it of the actual Mm -hmm champion of the playoffs but going into the playoffs if two-thirds of your league is making the playoffs it does make a lot of the regular season feel meaningless Mm -hmm. i mean i know mls deals with this as well where it just feels like a big (laughs) big bunch of meh in a lot of the season because you have some teams that are are very good have sealed their ticket way ahead of time and they're just around there you have teams that are in the middle that can just say hey we don't need to invest in trying to do something different or interesting or invest talent into players um because we can just be mediocre and hope the dice rolls so it, it it's definitely a challenge to how do you make sure that you're incentivizing investing in having a really good on-field product and as well as fans investing in how do you care about a game in the middle of the season when there isn't necessarily that obvious leverage of we lose of how much you could lose this um i also know logistically isn't there some shenanigans because the divisions are balanced there's yep, four that's in right the east yeah so five in the west it's i mean again it's yeah, it's, it's a weird sort of a thing but you know, if you don't have part of me is like, I'll just make one more team. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, this is well, I'm sure it's not. I'm that sure easy. that's how it I'm sure it's is. not. And I, this is coming from an American where we'll just make new sports teams and throw billions of dollars at them if they're not being played by women. Um, and then we'll just you know, we're willing to do that. And, and we'll we'll build these leagues out of nothing if if we feel like it makes sense. Um And so, you know, I, I but yeah, I, I yeah, it's 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 unbalanced. And but I mean. 110 years, man. That that trophy's been around for a very long time. So I have a question about the Great Cup. Is it similar to the Stanley Cup where there's only one of them and then they just you get to keep it for a year and then you give it to the next winner I, if it's a I, different team? My my understanding is that that is how it works. Um or at least the pictures of it is it's a similar like okay. tall podium with lots of little plaques around it. So I don't think it's the same as like the Super Bowl where Again, and then so that maybe that's maybe part of how you add meeting to it. It's not just like 
we made this brand new shiny one and you get that. And that's it. It's like, no, no, this is the, you get to hold on to this trophy yeah. and you get it for another year if you win it. And so, you know, it can be a little bit more, yeah, more like that Stanley Cup kind of experience. That is a very pretty trophy. Jeff has uh, shared his screen, and so we're looking at it now. Uh, it is a gorgeous trophy, very silver. I'm sure they very polish old that thing old. regularly. Um, pretty critically, yes. The cup is a cup. It for is literally all of your, a cup. Uh, Post cup win <laughs> celebration needs. I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with That's your trophy exactly actually right. being the thing that it describes. More trophies that can hold things. Little brown jug is a little brown jug. <laughs> Yeah, little brown jug, little brown jug, iron skillet. It, it's a it, it it's an iron skillet. I don't know <laughs> what do you want from us. It, it it's packaging says no exactly false what advertising. It is. Come on, uh, uh, good advertisement is good advertisement. Yeah, good advertisement is good advertisement. So yeah, all right. So we'll keep an eye on that. When will we know? There's there, in some of the it's already season. firmed up. You've got the Argonauts. Like I said, they're kind, they're already punched their tickets. The Lions, the Blue Bombers. So I think there's just a couple of a few spots where there's teams that have pretty close records like Montreal and Hamilton, uh, Saskatchewan, it's probably gonna be in the mix there too, but you know, someone can make a, you got four teams or not four, three teams at four and 10 four or four and 11 is one of them. They can make a late push, maybe, maybe sneak in there possibly, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's it. The top teams are pretty set. I think there's just a couple middle, middle tiers that are kind of jockeying right now. It, is it three from the east three from the west or is there a little bit of wiggle let room me, let me let me pause here because on how this goes um so we may want to mark this real quick because i'm i i think it's three yeah, from yeah, the no east problem. and three from the west but because i remember hearing i remember hearing at some point some it's theoretically three three from the east three from the west or but if the last uh, the the Fourth in the West has a better record than the third in the East. They get to take that okay. spot or something. Shenanigan-y. What everyone loves, it's looking up the rules. I know. Everyone's favorite part of a podcast, listening to I, people. I tell everybody look up that this is a stuff. game about rules. Not blocking and tackling, not inches. This game is about rules. Not playing football if we're not using this rule set. Oh yeah, I would say you can join us on uh, on the Mooncur Discord if if you like, and and we can get you that information to do things like me, like uh, decide. Hey, is the exact wording of the holding rule uh, clear enough to actually use and officiate okay. properly? So in a, so we can like Jeff's question here. So technically, that is true. You, it is the top three teams. However, however, they've thought about this because the lead, the divisions are unbalanced and you got four and five. If the fourth place team in one division has a better record at the end of the year than the third place team in the other division, that fourth place team replaces them. So you could theoretically have four teams from one division in the playoff because their records were all better than the third place team in the other division. So they, they've got it kind of mapped that way um so that way you know you can't just <laughs> you can't only squeak by being better than you know <laughs> that we've got a four team division over here and you don't just have to be the better than just not be the fourth team in that division you have to actually win a little bit more so 
So yeah, it's usually third, but sometimes the fourth so, so, swap over. Again, it's it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I'll say. So right now it looks like mm-hmm. yeah, Hamilton six is six and eight in third in the East, and you've got uh, Calgary at four and ten, and Edmonton mm-hmm. at four and eleven. And there's so that uh, that's a pretty close race that that Hamilton needs to. Yeah, make sure to grab a couple wins to get themselves out of that yeah. little bit of a scrap. That that that's a yeah. fun little and again bit for the back meaning. End of the it's a way too. that they it, they play a lot of games too. Like it's, I mean, you know, I was gonna like, ask, I how think, many games in a season? Uh, there's about four weeks left, so it's around eighteen. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, and again, oh, nine wow. teams. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. There's so there's time. To, it's to yeah for I mean, somebody the, to steal a couple the, wins. Well, uh, yeah, eight eighteen. So yeah, uh, there are four games left on the Winnipeg Blue Bomber schedule, so they'll get up to eighteen games. So yeah, I mean, it is a lot of games, but with that little clause in there, kind of makes you know you can still make the playoffs. And teams have made deep runs. You got once you get in, then it doesn't matter how good you did before. You can just keep on winning, baby. Survive in advance. Yes, that's right. Season starts over. Well, we will keep an eye on that. Thank <laughs> you for bringing that. I up, always too. will. In O Canada. <laughs> I am always here for it. So I'm going to go. We're going to move on. Jeff, if you don't mind, sir, pulling up our spreadsheet of games so that we can take a look at what we're doing next week. I can tell everybody I'm going to be watching the Fishbowl Classic. It's not officially called that anymore. But when I was an undergrad, Norfolk State playing NCANT was always known as the Fishbowl Classic when they were coming to uh, scenic Dick Price Stadium, where we would have a big fish fry and we would serve fish to everybody from both sides. And it was a fun time to be had by all. Josiah, what are you watching next week? We're going to watch Alabama beat Mississippi State. Um, I mean, you know, Alabama has looked a little bit hapless on offense. And not this past week. Yeah, well, that's fair. That's fair. But I mean, they have had some weird, some some kind of weird off kilter bits. And, you know, you can pull them down in the mud with you, I suppose. So. Yeah, maybe we can make it interesting, but I'm I'm watching those, but yeah, it would it would be that kind of year for us to go like six and six, but beat Alabama or something. That would be it'd be the first time since Sylvester Croom was head coach of Mississippi State. And shout out to him. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that as well. Jeff, what are you watching next week? I'm gonna be enjoying uh two Private institutions known for their beautiful cathedrals on campus, as well as their basketball teams. Um, that'll be Notre Dame at Duke, um, which Duke, <laughs> this is going to be one of the tougher games that they're going to face in Notre Dame. This is as well going to be the tougher games on their schedule on the road. Um, I think it's going to be a good game, and I'm I'm very excited for both of them to see, because this is going to be a big juncture point for, for either season. The winner, honestly, is in decent position um, for playoff. Mm-hmm. Dame obviously coming off a loss, but a close loss at home against Ohio State. So they still theoretically could could make a run and would need some big wins to do that, <laughs> like winning at Duke could be, which is a very odd sentence to say. Um, and Duke, this is a big opportunity to showcase themselves. They haven't, they beat Clemson, but Clemson is sort of an unknown. I think we're a little bit more subtle on what Notre Dame uh can be, but Notre Dame is going to be trying to come back after that close loss. So 
Um, that is going to be a really interesting uh, game to watch under the lights in Durham. I don't know how many of you watched the game. I watched the entire second half of Notre Dame, Ohio State. Notre Dame was in control of all of that game until the last two-minute drill in which Ohio State ran down the field and scored a touchdown. What you should know (laughs) is that Al Golden should be uh, brought up on charges of crimes against football because (laughs) the last two plays of the game in a goal line situation inside the one, Ohio State ran two plays inside the one. Both of those plays, Notre Dame had 10 men on the field including on the last play where they did not have a down lineman where Notre Dame allowed the Ohio State running back to get the edge of the football over the goal line. So Al Golden maybe should be having some questions lodged his way. And, by and one of those was defensive. One of those coach, was coming Marcus out of a Freeman. timeout too. It not wasn't sure like they were in a rush on both of them. Like it ha- one time it can happen yep. even to good coaches yep. two yep. in a row. In key moments, out of a timeout. Oh man! Ugh. Coach Coach Freeman said after the game, we didn't want to get penalized, and at that point, I'm like, you would have yeah. given up half the distance Don't to the goal. Care. It doesn't matter. You get 11 men on the field. I I, I just and what's worse, Ohio State mm-hmm. had just substituted, they have so to they could have just substituted, and it wouldn't have been a problem. Nope. People, are, they, yeah. Uh, not great. Not great, Notre Dame. You should have won that game, and it's a real problem that you have. <laughs> we are going to be watching all together. Yes. This looks like the Fighting Illini at the <laughs> Purdue Boilermakers. <laughs> Jeff, I don't know why you talked us into this. I don't know but... why I did it at this point either. I know I... Obviously, I think it's going to be the... Being able to see Coach Walters uh, face Illinois team that he made into a defense a really really good defensive team last year um so that angle is interesting um but yeah <laughs> i it was a choice i made to suggest the uh Purdue Cannon game and we will uh we will see i mean i've not watched a ton of illinois this year either so i i think that's going to be a the West is kind of a funky mess. Um, so theoretically, they they are also in a decent position. They could make a a run here. So it'll be interesting to see if they've got um, what they need to in that. But Purdue's already now in the hole in, in the Big Ten West. So, um, yeah, it'll be, I, it will be a game of football. That we would watch. <laughs> would you like for me to offer you some other options? Uh, let being serious. I want to watch not, train not wreck, man. Would you like some At, other like, options? And not 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 insulting. No, no, not it's oh, okay. you're right. Sorry. Bad choice of words. Bad I wasn't even thinking about Purdue. I'm just thinking <laughs> Illinois is always so sloppy, messy. Except like once or twice recently. And I mean, I don't know. I'm just assuming. Yeah, right. Yeah, let's 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 I mean, I like I'm, a mess. I'm down for it. So Blue, you can you, Blue, you can sample other cuisine this week if okay. you would like. All right. <laughs> I will watch it. I'm going to watch it cuz you guys are watching it. <laughs> I'm just saying I mean that's, East, that Eastern fair. Michigan that's is true. playing Central Michigan. I'm just saying we got other options out here. But I will watch <laughs> it because okay. I, I just yeah. don't want that's I don't want to do this to Jeff. That's why it's <laughs> 
That's I, to okay, I do this in. to myself. I mean, I'm watching okay. Alabama at Mississippi State. I have no room I to just, talk about self-loathing and punishment. In. Fair. I, all, totally fair. Totally fair, guys. So those are the games we're going to be watching. Jeff, is there anything as the head uh, chef of production that you want to key the people in before we get out of here? So a couple things. Um, one, tonight, which will probably have been last night by the time that we get this out. But uh, Megan Rapinoe's mm-hmm. last game with the U.S. Women's National Team is up in Chicago. Um, so that's going to be something I'm paying attention to um, this evening in recognition of um, a pretty great full career for her, um, both on and off the field. Um, even if past couple of years hasn't been the same player, um, recognizing her, her totality of career is a really great thing um, to do. Um, as well as, yeah, we're kind of reaching our mid-season form with quite a lot of our game watches. Um, and if you want to join us for that on the Moon Crew Discord, let us know. We will be able to hook you up there. Um, and as always, we will have our wonderful social links to what uh, Josiah is putting together, as well as the link to my charity mm-hmm. run in January that you can donate to up until January 14th. Just want to shout out the Moon Crew Discord user Ben, big LSU fan, asked... Who was the first team to go by the Aggies? And uh, I let him know. Mm-hmm. We have already answered that. University of Massachusetts. So, Josiah, our head chef of social media, I first want to say, and I want to shout you out here, <laughs> banger of a text, uh, of a tweet that you put out recently. Because mm-hmm. you found that they were at the, after the zero quarter. Like, Minnesota glitches and points. stuff. It's, it's, Please. it's a good time. It's fun. It's so beautiful. We are uh, the internet on the usual Josiah, places. Tell us where we're on Twitter slash X. We're on Blue Sky. We are on Threads. Uh, a little less active there, but and we're also on Instagram. So you know we're 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 out there. Um, and you know if you if you tweet at us or post at us, we'll post back. I am up there. Uh, I am the one putting the Sunday morning HBCU thoughts. That's. That's me, guys. That's blue. Absolutely. I have thoughts, and I figure Sunday is a good place to put them because no one else is talking about HBCU football on Sundays. Uh, four by two co-hosts, I will say it for them. Per, uh, boiler Up and Indiana Word. And as always, Hail State and Go Pokes. And Virginia State people, when I say <laughs> Hail State, I'm specifically talking about <laughs> Copyright infringement. I just want you all to know that. I am not thrilled that you all came to my campus wearing shirts that said Hale State. Not because you're doing it, you're copying people, because you came and said it on my campus. Um, And as always, guys, I'm going to leave the people with the same thing. Look, find Mm -hmm. something you can enjoy. Uh, I found Washington State and Oregon State, and I I enjoyed it immensely. I found Kansas and the Jayhawks, and I enjoyed that immensely. Um, So find that one thing, enjoy it to the fullest, and as always, don't forget to feed your mascot.